What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. That's right, it's Binge Boys. We're back. Hal Rudnick, Lon Harris. Lon, it's it's been a minute. Happy yeah. New Year to you. I'm still writing 2022 on all my podcasts. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, listen, I had to tear up my uh, check at the grocery store today because I wrote 2022 on it. Yeah. Um, I pay for everything with with checks. Isn't that weird? There was a time where ev- people paid for enough things with checks that that was a whole cliche. It would be like, yep. oh, my God, it's been five days and every check I write, of all the checks I write constantly... Can you believe after all this time I'm still writing last year on all of my many, many checks? Oh, yes. Um, Check yourself before you wreck yourself with your ill-written checks. Yeah. Nicely done. Why don't... I feel like rent's like the last thing. We We gotta get this on an app. Like, we gotta get land... Why is there not a landlord app and I just, like, scan my phone... Or uh, crazy that it's 2023 and I'm still handwriting out a check. Well, let's this get is... let's get these landlords to move to Zelle. What? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, Come like on, I guess there are. I Ever guess there are. Zell? If you've got like a, a younger end of the millennials landlord or like a like a soon, if you have a Gen Z landlord. You, you'll be able to, like, Venmo your rent. You know, like, that's coming. That was the name of my last improv group, Gen Z Landlord. Gen Z Land, yeah, the Gen Z Landlords. Yeah. <laughs> their their dad helped them out. That's one of those ones where you, the, the, it's like the Los Angeles magazine, like, here's how these eight Gen Z guys got their own building, and then you get halfway through the article, it's like, well, my dad gave me a bridge loan, and, you know, you always, like, oh, inevitably yeah. uh, Trump-style um, right. real estate Nepo babies. There you go. Um, are you on the whole Nepo baby craze, Lon? What is that? What What would it mean to be on the Nepo baby craze? I mean, would, Nepo define babies, just me. the exposure of Nepo babies are having a moment. There was a big New York Magazine cover story. How would I be part of that? I'm not. I'm, I'm oh, my just having Nepo baby fever. Just like oh. pointing out Nepo babies, saying who's <laughs> I the, do love who's pointing out... <laughs> I'll tell you my, uh, as long as we're gonna, we're gonna, we're going into it. So yeah. I'll, I'll give you my thing. I I, it's always right away, the people who like they get defensive about it. The the nepo babies among us. Yes. And right away they jump. Jamie Lee Curtis did this this week, and she's like queen of them all. She's oh. not only she's a double nepo baby. Double Tony nepo Curtis, baby. Janet Lee. 
two huge stars Hollywood, got together. Uh, just uh, Hollywood luminaries gave yeah, birth Yeah, so that's not her. even like the rest of these Nepo babies where it's like one parent. Oh, that's yeah, that's, that's fucking one, bullshit. One horse town? No. Th- th- there were... Destry Spielberg? Eh, maybe. You're no, right on the bubble. Uh, her parents have two stars on the Walk of Fame. Exactly. But anyway, so she was out there and she's like, listen. It, you can't be a huge celebrity if you don't have any talent. And it's like, well, nobody said nobody said that, Jamie Lee Curtis. Nobody said famous people's kids are becoming huge celebrities with huge careers and they have no talent. It's like all we're saying is it's 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 a form of privilege. It's a leg up. And I think well, all you have to say is concede, just like any other kind of privilege. Nobody's saying. You don't belong here. Get out of Hollywood. I mm-hmm. think people would just like a little humility, a little acknowledgement. You know what? Yes, having a famous parent or two, those connections, just being able to be wealthy and live in Los Angeles and not have to work three jobs and focus on my acting or my writing or directing. Right. That's hugely helpful. I think just being able to say that, that's all I think anybody really wants. Nobody's saying Jack Quaid doesn't deserve to be on The Boys. We're just saying we'd like him to have a little bit of perspective on it. It might have helped him got, get the foot in the door. But to what Jamie Lee Curtis said, um, I, I, I will disagree and say, um, oh, you don't you have to have talent uh, to stay there. No. Look at the Kardashian Jenner clan. Uh, also, one of my favorite moments in Nepo babyism was when Zosha Mammoth's mm-hmm. uh, Kickstarter for her album failed. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got too much joy out of that. Although she does a nice job on the flight attendant, and uh, Zosha Mamet's yeah, not that's, terrible. That's what but. I mean. I don't. I don't think intrinsic to any of this is like, oh, we hate. Obviously, we don't hate the children of celebrities. We we love the the children of celebrities. Like I Kate Hudson, at their all altar. Well, I Kate, drink Kate Hudson their was water. Kate Hudson was also talking about this, and it's like nobody hates Kate Hudson. Nobody hates Goldie Hawn. Kurt Russell or Kate Hudson, they're a beloved clan. Right. I think it's 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 just it's just that there's a hesitance to acknowledge that this was a leg up. There's that desire yes. that a lot of them have to be like, I had to work just as hard as everyone else. I saw O'Shea Jackson Jr. doing this one, where yeah. he's like, look, it doesn't make that big of a difference. I had to work just as hard. It's like, look, I think he's a talented guy. I like him. But the fact of the matter is, he got famous playing his own dad in a movie about his dad that was produced by his dad. So like it it's sort of the ultimate leg up. Like uh, there there's a guy I don't want I don't we don't have to get into his name. <laughs> it was Max Landis, but we don't have to get into that. But he he once told me that he didn't think this made that big of a difference and he still got where he got based on his talent and pluck and assertiveness oh, and it's boy. like, "Look, man, the first thing you wrote that I didn't say this to him." Because I'm a I'm 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 a fawning hypocrite. But uh, <laughs> the first thing he ever wrote that got produced was a Masters of Horror episode that his father John Landis directed, and it's like in those situations, I, mean, I don't see how you can deny that this was super helpful. The alley oop of all alley oops. And do, do you remember how, the the fawning weirdness and obsession that the tabloids had over? Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes's baby Surrey. 
Sure. Surrey Cruise. I mean, Surrey Cruise. Who yeah. could forget We're Surrey Cruise? with these. Uh, this, right, this of course. And like, like Apple Paltrow. Why do I know the name of uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin's baby? I do. It's Apple. But yep. like, there's no. She's not even trying to be famous. I just know that from when she was a baby. And it was like, Apple, what a weird name. You know, like, I, yep. I'll remember that for the rest of my life just based on that. It's like, Francis Bean Cobain is like a 35 year old, like a regular person out there in the world. Yep. I'm just always going to remember them because I remember when they were a baby. Anyway. You can get more of this Nepo baby talk behind our paywall. Yeah, there you go. Is that what you had in mind when you were like, what's your, no, what do you got on the Nepo babies? It what wasn't line at all. That was just my Give me idea. your odds on Nepo baby. 300 oh, no. to one. Yeah, no, I just wanted to shoot the shit about it. That was there very satisfying. Right. And, well, uh, okay, good. Yeah. Should, we do, um, should we do some news now that we've covered the Nepo baby? Lon, uh, what do you say we shift gears and do the news? The news with Lon. Yeah, just like, I, I, it's so weird that he, I feel like it's cyclical. Every few months we have to like, let's talk about Nepo babies again. It's like, I don't think any of us have anything new to say. But that it's, term, Nepo baby, the shorthand for it and the yeah. New York Magazine cover, it just kind of came to a head. But it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's uh, a lot people, of them right now, but there always are, I feel children, like. I don't, uh, children of privilege, uh, children who who have gotten a leg up, born on third base, etc. It's yeah. been a thing forever. Listen, Always. Jesus Christ yeah. was the first Nepo baby. And like, boy, boy. <laughs> <laughs> His dad uh, is the big guy. The big guy upstairs, uh, according uh, to the book. <laughs> according to some. According to, yeah, according to that. It, not uh, uh, not uh, Hal and I. We don't believe in that stuff, but maybe you. Listen, I'm a wandering Jew. Hal and I reject the teachings of uh, your your Lord. I've been bar mitzvahed and baptized. I've been both. It's a long story, Lon. We'll talk about it uh, over whiskeys one night. Yeah. The wandering Jew. That's an old medieval, like a very anti-Semitic, like medieval trope. The wandering Oh, I thought it had to do with the Jews wandering through the desert for like 40 no, days. No, no. The wandering Jew is like one Jew who denies, I believe he specifically denies Christ. Like... Christ is like, no, I'm real. And he's like, I'm a Jew. Uh, and so his punishment is he's got to wander the earth for all eternity until the end times. Like he's just wandering around. And, and that was like in medieval times or whatever, ancient times. I don't even know. Listen, folks, it's been a long day. People would claim it was like a supernatural thing. People would claim they saw the wandering. It was like Bigfoot oh. for for you know anti semites in the Middle Ages. <laughs> it was like seeing yeah. Bigfoot was seeing the wandering Jew in the wild. You know. Listen, Lon, I'm a wandering Jew. Wondering what's going on in the streaming news. No, we're not. I'm just going to talk about the wandering Jew now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, HBO Max. Uh, they've continued. Continued cutting more and more content from their platform. It's gotten to the Where's point where- Where's my Westworld, Lon? Where's my Westworld? Gone. That's that's disappeared. Uh, it's gotten to the point where uh, like high level management types from the company are getting asked about it all the time. They're starting to like lose their patience. Like Gunnar Weidenfeld, the CFO was just like, listen, we're, we're not gonna cut that much more stuff. Leave me alone. We're gonna figure it out this year. Like they're, even they're getting fed up with being asked about it. Uh, so this week, the big news was obviously Westworld, The Nevers. We talked about a lot of those shows. Those are gone. We Most have. of those, they're going to try to sell them 
to uh, a ad-supported free platform. So you'll probably see Westworld pop up again on, on a Tubi, on a Roku channel, on an Amazon Freebie, some kind of platform like that where sure. uh, Warner Brothers Discovery can earn a share of uh, some ad revenue instead of just, they, they felt like keeping it on HBO Max without earning any more revenue. It wasn't doing them any good there. Obviously, mm. they, it wasn't getting watched enough. They don't feel like Raised by Wolves was getting people to subscribe to HBO Max, so they might as well make ad revenue on it on another platform. That's Question the idea. Question for you, Lon. Uh, I, I legitimately don't know the answer to this. So um, Westworld is being taken off HBO Max. It's already gone. It's gotcha. already it's gone, gone, folks. Can I still find it? If I have HBO, can I find it in uh, the on-demand for HBO? I don't think so. I think it is gone from HBO's streaming platform entirely. Wow. Because wow. the plan is, I'm, 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 let's say Amazon Freebie. I'm just making that up. It could be Vudu or any other. Sure, one. I won't but let's, hold you let, to it. I won't hold you to all it. All right, but let's say, so the, the idea there would be if they put it on Amazon Freebie, Amazon will sell ads, Amazon will take a cut, but then Warner Brothers Discovery would get a cut. So yes. that's at least some revenue coming in when people watch an episode of Westworld versus if it just lived on HBO and HBO Max forever, doesn't earn any money. Maybe it would be an inducement to get people to sign up for HBO Max, but obviously they yeah. don't feel like it's really doing yeah, a great it's, job. It's, uh, Westworld ain't exactly the uh, Sopranos and Game of Thrones. But I do think eventually you get to a point where the promise of these streaming services, especially when they were new, yeah. is like all of this comment lives here forever. And, and, and you can always, if you want to watch a Disney animated movie, you go to Disney Plus. If you want yes. to watch a catalog HBO show, you go to HBO Max. If yeah. you want to watch an old MTV show, you go to Paramount Plus. That was the, that was the idea. And yeah. I think that at a certain point, you do start to pull so much stuff that it stops feeling like that kind of a value proposition anymore. And that's where it probably does start to hurt them. To mm -hmm. that point, this week, HBO Max lost out on about half of their classic Looney Tunes collection and three of the six seasons of The Flintstones. Those are now gone from HBO Max. And Looney Tunes are one of those things that, even if they weren't getting watched that much, I kind of feel like Looney Tunes cartoons are really intrinsic to Warner Brothers. And kind of you just expect to have them on a Warner Brothers streaming service. And having them not be there feels a little cheap to me. You know what? You make a great point because not only are th the characters and so many of those uh, like individual cartoons iconic, but it references so much history and movie history. And I think you and I have probably had this conversation before. Like I learned about like Humphrey Bogart and Edward sure. G. Robinson and all these classic characters and yeah, Frank Sinatra one... from the way they were sent up and parodied in Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah, my, my favorite that I did not get until I was like a grown a grown ass man. There's mm -hmm. a 30s movie called I Am a Fugitive from a Chain Gang. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers movie, Paul Mooney. And it, you know, it, it actually was it, it was instrumental in ending uh chain gangs. Like this this movie brought the attention of the American public onto the cruelty and brutality of chain gangs and helped to get them wiped out. But anyway, he's on the run. He escapes the chain gang. He jumps into a pond and to breathe while he's underwater, he takes a reed yes. and uses it as like a snorkel to breathe. And Bugs Bunny does that a hundred times in cartoons. And I oh, always yeah. thought 
Bugs Bunny made that trick up. But no, he was referencing, because this was a huge Warner Brothers movie in the 30s, everybody mm-hmm. would have gotten that, oh, he's doing Paul Mooney from uh, I Am a Fugitive from a Chain Gang. Paul Mooney, M-U-N-I, not the comedian, the famous Oh, no, I, I, yeah, I, I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't Uh, want anybody to get confused. Why was that guy in a 30s chain gang? Yeah, he'd have to be a time time traveler to have uh, done that. But, uh, yeah, so it seems like it's so intrinsically tied to the brand. I I, I feel what you're saying there, Alon. Yeah, so, I mean, in that that case, and that's a case where uh, HBO Max was paying Warner Brothers, all owned by the same company, a licensing fee for these Looney Tunes. And for whatever reason, they've st- decided to stop paying that fee. They're not going to, that's all within the company. So I don't know. It seems kind of silly. So I uh, guess in so, regards to the Looney Tunes all being available on HBO Max, it's more like a blah, 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 that's all, folks. Long way around, but we got there. We got there, yep. folks. Anyway, so that's what's happening with HBO Max. But they're not alone. Now, apparently, Stars just this week has joined them. Stars pulled three canceled drama series entirely from their streaming platform. Dangerous Liaisons, Step Up, and Becoming Elizabeth. They're just gone. We don't know yet what the plan is. Presumably it's the same thing. I didn't even know there was a Step Up TV show. There's a Step Up TV show that oh, Dangerous God. Liaisons, it's it's a it's an adaptation, so it's the same story as the the John Malkovich movie, mm-hmm. but they're they're expanding it. So it's it's a prequel as well. So you follow those two characters from their youth all the way until they become, uh, you know, the, the 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 recognizable dangerous liaisons characters we all yeah Michelle we Pfeiffer, all know. Uh, was it Glenn Close? Glenn Close, yeah. exactly. Uh, and then Step Up, it's a TV series based on the popular uh, franchise of dance films. I and then Becoming that. Elizabeth is a drama series about the first Queen Elizabeth as a young woman in the years before she ascended oh, to the I thought the it was throne. about Elizabeth Olsen growing up in the shadow of her famous Of Mary-Kate and Ashley, yeah. Yeah, I, wow, I'm way off on that one. Kate and Rooney Mara as Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. <laughs> no, it's Megan, the creepy doll, as Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Oh, there you uh, go. <laughs> so that, so that we don't know. I'm assuming that's the same thing as Westworld. They're gonna show up on Tubi in a few months, and Stars just wants to make money on putting ads in there. Uh, but the final one, this one is crazy. This was okay. just from today. AMC yes. announced that they produced an entire second season of the legal drama series Sixty First Street, and they already shot four out of six episodes of a planned limited series called Invitation to a Bonfire. Mm-hmm. They are abandoning both projects to cut costs. So they made a full season two of the show 61st Street with Courtney B. Vance. It's a legal drama series. Okay. I have not seen it. There's a, soul, a full second season that they made. They're just not going to put it on TV. They're not going to put it on AMC+. They're going to take a tax write-off on it instead. And then they're canceling this limited series that's two-thirds of the way done being produced. They're just going to get rid of it as a cost-cutting. Now, we know that AMC is in trouble because AMC Plus, their their streaming services are not making up for the devastating loss of ad revenue to their cable networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also just in a tough time because the two most popular AMC shows are both uh, over. It was Better Call Saul and The Walking Dead both yes. ended in 2022. Right. So they've got some Walking Dead spinoffs. Interview with a Vampire did pretty well, but it's a weird time at AMC. So they desperately need this money. But it's Mm -hmm. still crazy to take an entire season of television that you could put on TV and sell ads on it and just 
dump it. Literally dump it. We'll never see it. Dump yeah, it down Yeah, I like the drain. that Courtney B. Vance. Uh, I, I over the, just This is a total non sequitur, but uh, I have to say that uh, I enjoyed uh, the uh, Christmas comedy uh, Office Christmas Party. Uh, and I thought he was particularly funny in it. I, I just watched I've not, that. I've not seen that. I've not seen. You know that what? Film. It's uh, it's it's low hanging fruit, but it sets up a simple premise and it gets the job done. I thought it. I, I thought really, it was pretty funny. I really resent the laziness of of titles. In I, I feel like we've entered a new era where titles are just not trying. You got money. Money heist was a big problem. Oh, what money if, heist was an immediate concern. Now we've got Gerard Butler movies yes, coming plane. out called Plane. Just plain? Dude, I saw that and I was thinking that is like the simplest, you know, tells you not like, could they not think of something a little bit more arresting, something a little bit more uh, interesting than plain? What's this movie about? Plain. Where, where, what, where is it set? Plain. <laughs> like, like, give uh, me one more word. Give that, me one descriptor. Is it a money plane? Like, is give, it me, a, give me is one. Is it a soul plane? Is it a Are soul plane? Are there snakes on this yeah. plane? Yeah, I need, I'm, I'm going to need one more word. I'm going to need one additional word of context. Just plain yep. is not, is not. It's is not plain. doing it for it, me. Plain is too plain. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that at all. I'm not, I'm not happy about it. And so I, I, I just generally feel like plain listen, old plain, plain. You gotta, old you gotta plain. give me, you gotta give me a little bit more with your titles here. This, this is, this is not happening. Even, even something like honestly, like the Fablemans. Like, give me, give me. Like, maybe this is why this movie. It, it's a great movie, but. Yeah, I, I liked know. it. You, you could come up with a with a real name for it. Just the, I mean, yes, it's about the Fablemans, but what else you got? Give me something oh, else. I got it. Spielberg Origins. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Spielberg begins. That's a Spielberg that's a begins. One. Yes. Nicole Kidman. Uh, she's been doing. She's been doing a lot of TV. Oh yes. The uh, she she brought us back to the movies. Yeah, she's our AMC's own. Speaking of AMC, AMC's own Nicole Kidman. Uh, she's been doing a lot of TV lately. She did that Nine Perfect Strangers Hulu mm-hmm. show, uh, HBO's Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. What was the one with uh, with with Hugh Grant? The Undoing. That's the right. Undoing. She did David yes, E. Yes, Kelly's yes, yes, The yes. Undoing. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, so that as well. Her her next one. Uh, she's been casting the lead role in Taylor Sheridan's next Paramount Plus series, Lioness. This is based on a real CIA program. She's going to play the leader of a CIA division that trains and manages all women undercover operatives. So it's about a bunch of ladies who go undercover on oh, behalf of the, the good old. Five. The, the no, the three five. How? As you well know, yes. the 355 is an international espionage organization oh. made up of women from various intelligence agencies from all over the world. Is Yo. there a CIA member? Sure, yes, but she's not the only member. Please I'm, strike I'm, my comment from the record. I'm a little, I'm a little surprised that you. Jessica Chastain represents the CIA, but she's joined by many other operatives in that film. Oh yeah. This is all this is all American. Zoe Saldana and Lazla de Oliveira, they're gonna co-star. They're they're operatives. Nicole Kidman is like the leader of the the cell or whatever, the the, the division. Uh sure. this is this is Taylor Sheridan's fifth original series for Paramount Plus already. He's done the two Yellowstone prequels, yeah. Mayor of Kingstown. Tulsa King, and now Lioness is coming is coming next yeah, from him. I forget if I mentioned this to you, but at that, now that you bring up Tulsa King, 
we might have talked as I about, always am. As uh, I always yes. am. We might have talked about this Love on that the show Chelsea. already. I was walking down the street uh, a couple of weeks ago and someone started talking to me and I looked around and I looked up. It was a talking billboard like mm. on a wall for Tulsa King. Have you ever encountered mm. one of these? I have not encountered a talking billboard for Tulsa like, King. Now, like what does I was it say? Walking and all of a sudden uh, I heard like, yeah, I've been in the game for many years. And now that's what it says. It Tulsa. says I've been in the game. I don't know. It was some bullshit from Stallone. But like, and it's it's very disconcerting. Didn't yeah. like it. Uh, would not recommend. It's also weird in in Los Angeles because the, the show very much about the tension of he's this very New York guy yeah. in Tulsa. So if you've got to do an ad in L.A., it's like, well, now we're adding a third location. I don't know if I want to follow the Tulsa King to a third location. Let's. This is getting complicated now. What? Why is he here? He should yeah, be in it, Tulsa. It, it he's was, the Tulsa King. Yeah. Um, it was right outside uh, the weed dispensary that I go to on, yeah. and I'm glad. Oh, I well, that might have been. You know what? That ties into the show. He he. Martin oh, Starr yeah. runs a weed dispensary and that he Stallone. Him for, yeah, uh, that's yeah. one of his first businesses that he kind of moves in on is that huh. weed dispensary. So maybe that's what he was saying. Maybe he was like, "Hey, I put on now this weed dispensary. Come <laughs> in." But I, I asked them in Get there, some and, and they were like, "No, it freaks Monster. us out too." Oh. Yeah, it's a, it's weird. I don't want an advertisement to talk to me, especially no. in the voice of Sylvester Stallone. That's yeah. He takes a while to say things. Let's say, I, I'm a busy man. <laughs> That's right. You're already down the block before he's he's like, hey, like sorry, Sylvester, I got I got things to do. Yep. Thank what what an ad libber. Thank you for yes ending me there. Uh, it's looking more and more how like the peak. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I really hurt your feelings on that one. I didn't. No, I consider. You don't have to yes and me. I just gave you an affirmative, and I added nothing to that. You don't have to fucking yes and me. Listen, listen. It's my job to yes and you. I'm an improviser from way back. I I haven't earned that. Uh, It's looking more and more like the like the era of peak TV. At, at an end, uh, Ampere Analytics, uh, they're, they're a big company that does a lot of this data surveys, research. They're predicting that industry, TV industry, spending on content, that includes live sports, everything, going to increase by just 2% in 2023 to $243 billion for the whole year. Now, that's after a decade. In 2022, even 2022 slowdown pandemic era, yeah. 6% increase year over year in TV spending. So we're cutting that down by to, to just a third. It could be we could be only a few years away from spending less year over year on TV than they spent the year before. So after a decade of just massively ballooning TV production from the streaming era, it mm-hmm. looks like things are finally slowing back down. Now. Right. P- and TV. would you say that's due to there aren't all these new streaming services in the offing or I mean, it's, it's it's largely this was inevitably going to happen at some point for the reasons that you cite. Well, what goes up, you know, the, 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 some of these platforms would start going out of business or start right. consolidating. There's just only so much you can launch. But what what happened at the beginning of 2022 where Netflix stock took that huge hit and yes. all of a sudden investors in Wall Street started paying way more attention to how much these platforms actually have the potential to earn? That was it. So now... Every company is belt tightening and doing what HBO is doing and AMC is doing. It's also, on top of that, we're talking about a massively deflated ad market, both on TV and digital ad market. That's 
everything from inflation, fears of a recession, supply chain issues still working themselves out there. We could do a whole podcast about that. But for whatever reason, companies are spending way, way less on ads right now. And so that's sending shockwaves through the entire entertainment industry. All of those companies have to stop spending money because now they're going to start making way less money on ads. And even Netflix launched their ad-supported streaming tier they're having a little bit trouble serving enough ads. Like all, all of these ad platforms, we've got all of these new platforms to serve ads. Companies are just sluggish in buying ads. So that's what's really behind this is it's kind of a perfect storm of people are signing up for fewer streaming services. Yeah. The ad market is just struggling right now. And investors are less willing to just blow a billion dollars on a Lord of the Rings show in the hopes that it gets a lot of people to sign up for Prime Video or whatever. Yeah, and, and there's way too much competition. I mean, there's so many damn shows, Lon. I mean, I'm uh, pardon yeah. me with, like, oh, yeah, I'm coming in with the really inc incisive uh, analysis here. There's too many yeah. shows. Like, there's so I many got, shows. I can't watch it all this. I mean, yeah, like, I, I, like shows that I want to go back and finish, like, you know, Foundation or Raised by Wolves. Like, I, well, I may never get around well, to. Well, Raised by Wolves is gone. You missed it. Sorry. Oh, see, like, there you go, <laughs> uh, man. They pulled it. It's did over. It did it tie into Prometheus? No, never did. Oh, I okay. mean, they only in that uh, the robots have like milk blood. Like yeah. Ridley Scott loves that milk blood loves thing. Loves that milk so blood. All the androids always have milky blood. Oh yeah, but otherwise Lance doesn't really tie in. Lance otherwise Lance doesn't really for life. Yeah, but otherwise does not really tie in. Uh, moving on. Well, speaking of. Uh, all these companies are desperately trying to uh, save money, whereas once they were blowing it left and right, Netflix canceled 1899, the international sci-fi thriller series from the creators of the hit German language series Dark, after just one season. That means it ended on a very uh, unsatisfying cliffhanger. Damn they it. thought they were going to get to do two more seasons that they are not now going to get I to haven't do. watched it. I love I love Dark. Didn't did we talk we talked about Dark uh, uh We talked uh, about a Dark. We did not talk yeah. about 1899. We did not. So you watched, watched 1899. It. Would you recommend? Yeah. I liked it. Uh, I mean you you if you go in knowing, look, it ends on a very tantalizing setup for a season 2 that never happens. Yep. If you're not the kind of person that's going to be bothered by that, I thought it was a pretty fun season of TV, but it is always going to have this huge asterisk because it just kind of ends in the middle of this ongoing story, and they clearly thought they were going to get to do two more seasons. They had a three-season plan like they did with Dark, Yeah. but Netflix this time was just like, nah, and, and, I, and to explain... They spent $60 million on season one. This was not Holy a cheap shit. show. It's a huge ensemble. Yeah. There's effects. There's big visuals. It's yeah. a big show. So $60 million on season one. Obviously, Netflix was looking at the viewership numbers, looking at the down the barrel of spending another $60 million to produce another season of this. I get why they might have had cold feet. There really is a buzzkill if you love a show and then uh, they pull the rug out from under you. Like, what? What? Uh, damn it. What was the name of the show um, about the uh, fellow who's hired to restore that um, videotape? Archive 81. Archive, Archive 81. 81. You and I talked about that. I loved that show. So much that yeah. I can't remember its name, but I I really like well, that that's show. A, yeah, but that's a great example. It's and like then you they get, cancel, and then you it's get 
you're not going to get a second season. Right. And, and Warrior Nun, this was the same story. Netflix just canceled that, and fans are devastated. Sense8 is the classic example of fans oh, yeah, loved the it, and they, they cut uh, it off siblings, at the knees. Yep. Right, and... and so I, I think, you know, a few times, inevitably Netflix is going to have to cancel shows in the middle of their run. Like, not at, they're making too much content. Not everything can run forever. But I feel like they are now entering this period where they're kind of training people, don't get too attached. Nothing on Netflix is for sure. Anything you love can get pulled at any time. So you don't want to train people to not get emotionally invested in your shows. Like, you're, you want this... This ties exactly into the very first thing we just started talking about a few minutes ago with all the shows getting pulled off of streaming services. I mean, like, don't get attached to anything. What a harsh mistress streaming is. Right, and they and, and that cuts exactly against what the original pitch was, which was yeah, have no more cable. You do not need physical media anymore. Right. Everything is going to be in one place forever, and you'll know exactly where to find it, and it'll just live there, and you can go back and watch it whenever you want. That was sort of the promise, and mm -hmm. now we are discovering that that's not really economically it, viable or sustainable for these companies. Sold a false bill of goods, big tease. <laughs> A little bit of a tease. Uh, speaking of a tease, wow, we're, it all segues, it all ties in today. Uh, so in September of last year, Ubisoft, the game publisher at their Ubisoft Forward livestream event, announced they were making an Assassin's Creed TV series for Netflix. And okay. the showrunner that they announced who was attached is a guy named Jeb Stewart. He currently works on Vikings Valhalla, that Netflix scripted series about his story, you know, set during the Viking era. Yeah. Uh, he's also very well known for co-writing the scripts for both Die Hard and The Fugitive. So, oh, wow. uh, 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 quite a resume in quite terms of action, action filmmaking. He and was going to be the, the showrunner of a Civil War general. Well, as I explained to you before the show, uh, that Civil War general is, is J.E.B. Stewart, not sometimes called Jeb for short, but I don't believe Jeb was his actual name. This man is named Jeb. Like Bush before him, uh, and he's the Jeff. father on Beverly point. Hillbillies. That's Jed. Is that Jed Clampett? I believe oh, that's with maybe. a D. Jed Clampett. Okay. Yeah. Not Jed. Let's do a story about a man named Jed. Yeah. Okay. Or Mountaineer barely kept his family fed. Fed. There you See? go. I stand corrected. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway. Back to Jeb Stewart. He mm. was doing an interview with Collider about the Viking show that he works on, and they asked him, hey, what's going on with Assassin's Creed? And he's like, nah, I'm not doing that anymore. So that's all yeah. we know. Maybe the show's not happening at all. Maybe they're just gonna find a new showrunner. We don't know. Right now, a big question mark around the Netflix Assassin's Creed series. Of course, you'll recall, previously inspired a 2016 theatrical movie, Assassin's Creed, starring Michael Fassbender, yes. which no one saw or liked. No, uh, supposed to be abysmal. So uh, they're gonna, you know, it, oh, I, it was, I saw it, it was abysmal. I mean, that's a, I will say that's a tricky, have you played any of those games, Al? Do you know the Assassin's Creed series? I'm, yeah, I'm familiar. I, I feel like that's a tough, like, how much of it do you set in the, the real world? I'm making quotes, like the modern world. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's about a guy in the present day who gets into, like, a little booth and then it blasts him into the mind of his ancestor. But that's the real... The, the meat is the history. You don't want to spend time in the present day. So it's almost like you just cut that out. That's the mistake I think they made in the 2016 movie is you spend a lot of time in the present and it's like, I don't give a fuck, man. Yeah. Go back in history and, like, kill some dudes with ancient weapons and yeah, shit. Yeah, you gotta That's know what your bread is buttered here. 
I don't even think you necessarily, I think you could do that at like the very end, like a guy takes off a headset and it's like, oh, we were in the present the whole time. Like you don't even need, 99% of it should be in the fucking past. Agreed. You hear that? Jeb, Jeb Stewart, hire me as your replacement. <laughs> I'll make an Assassin's Creed show. Ah, honestly, it'd be pretty boring. It's just Da Vinci Code. Like all their shit is really just like, you solve this puzzle and then go to the next statue and solve that puzzle. And it's all just Da Vinci Code. There should be a TV network that, or a streamer that is all video game-based series. Then you could have the Halo series, the Assassin's Creed well, series. Well, you there, could have yeah. a... Yeah, uh, whatever you want. Sony, uh, Sony's doing their best to make that happen. They're also they're working on Twisted Metal right now for mm -hmm. Peacock. That's the other big video game one. Uh, there's also Horizon Zero Dawn. They're working on that series. We got Last of Us coming on HBO oh, any yeah. day now. Mm -hmm. That one looks good. Uh, final news story. Want to give a shout out to uh, streaming star Jeremy Renner. I mean, we're talking about a, a bevy streaming the, the star of Hawkeye. Uh, Paramount Plus is mayor of Kingstown, coming yep. back for a second season in just 10 days. And he's got an upcoming Disney Plus reality series, Renovations. Real title, not oh, making that for up. for real? Real title, Renovations. We'll talk about that. But uh, the big news, of course. Oh, and mentioned in um, uh, Glass Onion, Knives Out, the Jeremy Renner hot oh, sauce. He's got his own bespoke hot sauce. That's yes. true. Uh, only, oh, I think that's fictional for the Glass Onion film. I also don't think Jared uh, Leto has his own hard kombucha line. Uh, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong on that. Anyway, uh, so Jeremy Renner, of course, uh, involved in a, a horrible snowplow-related accident over the New Year holiday. He has a home in Lake Tahoe. Yeah. Uh, they got a lot of snow dumped on them. We don't know exactly what happened. Somehow, chest Apparently was crushed. Apparently, he was trying to tow. Uh, uh, one, a family member was, was driving his car. It got stuck in the snow. He drove a snowcat to help. Uh, pull the car out, and yeah, uh, Things he went got south run quickly. over by his own snowcat. Yeah. Uh, um, his anyway. life was saved. A uh, doctor who's a neighbor put a tourniquet on his leg. He had went in for various surgeries. He's now, po as of today, he posted a video to Instagram with mm. his mom and his sister visiting him in intensive care. Uh, so he's he's awake, he's alert, he Good. seems to be okay and is in the midst of recovering. I do want to talk about renovations. So yeah. in this show, he visits various communities in need and helps them out through the use and design of purpose-built vehicles. That's I don't I don't know what that Ooh. means. So I, I I did some research. These are highly customized electric machines that are designed explicitly for very specific needs. And I think mobility would be a lot. So so individuals or people who need special devices to get around, to do accomplished tasks throughout their day. I think he's gonna help those people out by designing these special creative machines to help them. Right, like maybe, uh, yeah, just off the top of my head, like the uh, one of those, uh, uh, chairs that takes you up a staircase. Right, or... uh, the, these sorts of designs of, 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 of unusual mobility or transport scenarios that we maybe haven't thought of, that someone would need a specialized vehicle. I guess Jeremy Renner, very good at building and designing those vehicles. 
and cool. he's gonna go around and make them for people. Great uh, renovations. Like one of those, like a Boston Dynamics dog that will like yeah. carry you around, or like it, one I those, think it's exactly this sort of, or or you know, like remember those those from tiny West, from uh, not what's a uh, oh, Wild Wild West. <laughs> remember those tiny smart cars that were a thing for a while, where they only yes. fit like one st- person, and you look like a there, huge. Yep doofus uh so i feel like it's stuff like that it's like little weird interesting designs like that that have all sorts of sort of unconventional uses that we maybe haven't thought what of. about I will donating say, a party bus to local alcoholics there you go i, I will say with the title renovations i i i just assumed it was a home in fact i didn't look it up at first because i was like i guess he's gonna remodel some people's homes i thought like you would just assume that's what a show called renovations is right like we invited jeremy renner into our home to like either, reimagine this rumpus room either that or he shows up to the restaurant that's the hottest ticket in town and they say pardon me sir do you have a reservation and he says no but i have a renovation and then he winks to the camera and who knew there was a camera there is that dramatic Obviously, they're always going to get get a table for Mr. Jeremy Renner. Huge yes. Hollywood star Jeremy Renner's not being turned away. So I feel like I feel like it lacks drama. You make room. You bump. You bump the proletariat. I feel like rent. it lacks drama. I want to I want to wonder, are they is Jeremy Renner going to get seated or is this renovation going to get rejected? But there would never be. They would never reject a renovation. No, if it's Jeremy Renner or any Nepo baby, they will always be You're good seated. as gold. See, that's the great. The best thing about Jeremy Renner is he's like the opposite. Like, I, his, his dad did some like tough job, like a dirty job or something. Oh, his dad was Mike Rowe? Yeah, like his dad is literally micro. No, like his dad was like a very like regular guy, and so he had like a Renner's regular upstraps guy, a bootstrap. Yeah, he's guy. a bootstrap guy. Yeah, Renner's a bootstrap guy. All, all, got, got, got to respect it. That's it. That's it for the news. That's all that you need to take away from the news today. Jeremy Renner pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. No, no favoritism there. Just a talented young man. What more do you need? Played Jeffrey Dahmer with the best of them. (laughs) Uh, We got a couple of offerings from HBO Max and uh, one from Netflix right after this. And by this, that was a pause when I said this before, just a pause. I don't know, was there a stinger in there? In case we ever sell an ad. It's only been 86 episodes, folks. We might sell an ad any day now. You know what? Maybe like you and I should just start doing fake ads. This show brought to you by Post-Its, and I'm holding up some Post-Its here. One time we 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 had a guy, we had a listener, our our, our friend Rob, uh, our friend Rob contacted us, wanted to buy an ad, uh, and then Rob I forwarded Rob Schaefer, and then I, I I forwarded him on uh, to our production company. Never got back to him. Just just didn't they didn't feel like it, we're we're an important enough priority to say. But I will that. say this. If you get in tr- if you get in any legal trouble in the greater Omaha, Nebraska area, uh you got That's one phone to call. call to make Rob Schaefer, attorney at law. Yeah. Also uh, a quite quite the skilled home chef as uh, if you follow oh, yeah. him on social media, he's always cooking up something special there. A renaissance man. He's got a lot of arrows in the quiver. There you uh, go. first off, we watched the film from last year that is available on HBO Max. They're all from last year. They're all from last year. At this point, they're all from last year. Everything's from last year at this point. Unless you rush to film out to theaters in the last four days, folks. They're from last year. I don't want to oversell it. You know what? We're talking about last year films. We're talking about 2022. The Martin McDonough film reuniting Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, uh, who he worked with in, in Bruges, among other things. 
Banshees of Inishirin. Banshees yeah. of Inishirin. And you, you know what, Lon? I, uh, I really adored this film. I, uh, at the end of the day, it's one of my favorite films of the year, I have to say. I'm, I'm not going to hold back in my uh, Why would you hold back? Don't hold back. Yeah. Uh, Nobody, there's a pod, this would be the worst possible place for you to hold back your true thoughts about Banshees of Inishirin. This is your moment. I, I really loved it because, you know, it's a, it's a story that's uh, pretty simple on the surface. It's about uh, two friends, uh, and one of them does not want to be friends anymore. And from there, the game is afoot. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm not uh, giving too much away here when I say that uh, the two friends, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, who are both excellent, whose chemistry is just boiling. It is uh, it is just so good, uh, their, uh, their connection in this film. Uh, Brendan Gleeson threatens that he will cut off a finger if Colin uh, Farrell continues to try to contact him. Cut off one of his own fingers, Brendan Gleeson tells him. And uh, from there, uh, everything really gets cooking. And it's, it's, a, it's a simple premise, but there's so much richness in the characters, the dialogues, uh, and the duality of the story, because it really talks, it's uh, more about the complexity of human interaction and also set against the backdrop. I had to look this up because the film does not lit explicitly tell you what year it's from, set against the backdrop of the Irish Civil War. It does. I mean, I will, I don't want to, I don't want to contradict you, but there, there is a shot early on where uh, Colin Farrell looks at a calendar so you could see the year clearly. Missed I missed that. But then also, like four times in the dialogue, they explicitly reference the Irish Civil War. Oh, the, yeah, they, ex they explicitly reference the Irish like, Civil War. Like, oh, you see, War. the Civil War is still familiar. raging there um, in the distance, or they mention the IRA. So you knew, you knew when the but you knew when the Irish Civil War took place? I mean, it's like, could I give you the years off the top of my head? No, but like, Could you give roughly? me the era? No, I, uh, I know now it was 1922 yeah, it to was 1923. The 20s. Yeah. Because I looked <laughs> it up. I will say I would have been able to give you the Irish Civil War was the, the, the teens of the 20s, the early part of the 20th century. I could have gotten you there. Right. And as soon as they mention, you know, the IRA and you kind of know roughly where you're at. And I mean, just from the clothes and whatever, it's obviously not present. Yeah, day. no, it, it comes together. But I just I, I wasn't quite sure for me. Like, I thought it could have been anyway. Again, and uh, yeah, I'll just say I thought this film, it was it was funny. It was sad. It was lovely. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I feel like it works very well as an allegory for the Irish Civil War. Like he, he gets the idea he wanted to get across, across about how this was. It wasn't just the dissolution of this friendship, but it's about the 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 hurt feelings on both sides and how they how they magnify over time and, and how uh, it you know, becomes about projection, all the complexities of the layers of these relationships. And I think you could really break it down and look at the history. And there's a lot of interesting connections there. I mean, even in terms of the police, the other townspeople, like everybody yep. represents elements of society. And I think you could draw a lot of those connections. I think all of that works really well. There's also, uh, just to give you a little bit of the history, a lot yeah. of the Irish Civil War and the extreme negative feelings on both sides relate to the assassination of one of the leaders that was the other side. It may have been accidental or at least not mm -hmm. ordered by the higher ups. And so the idea that this misunderstanding or this like this escalation that wasn't meant to be that kind of an escalation could lead to even greater hurt feelings that cause both sides to become even more entrenched. I mean, it is working as a metaphor on that level. And that's very clever. But having said all of that. Sure. 
I kind of wished it worked better as a human emotional story as well. After a certain point, I think you kind of depart the realm of realism and this becomes almost like a fable where people stop necessarily acting fully realistically and it becomes about this allegory and, and it, it sort of takes on a kind of logic of its own in the same way that stuff like in Bruges, Seven Psychopaths, this is a mm -hmm. Martin McDonough thing. Yes. Uh, I didn't love that element of this. I kind of wanted it to feel See, more. I felt like it was earned. I felt like it was earned. Well, that's an easy thing to say, but I, I, I wish that this felt more relevant to me in terms of the emotional beats of these friendships and these relationships rather than having to be scene by scene being like, oh, okay, I get what this is saying about the character of Irish people, or I get what this means about how the war ended, but these conflicts continued to brew or whatever. And I don't know, I, I didn't feel, like my favorite movies of the year reach a level of emotional catharsis and payoff where they're, I, I find them moving. And I didn't find this movie moving. I thought it was funny and clever. And then I was like, Good, good movie. Oh, see, yeah, I com I completely disagree. I both found it moving and because I don't relate to I don't relate to this. I don't I have to, I don't relate to either. Character. I absolutely related to it and um, specifically without giving too much without giving too much away. What's you've that? had a friendship dissolve in this way? Well, I have had um, in, really? my life. in this way in this way with these level of emotions. Oh, I don't you, believe you. Uh, <laughs> no, you, you and I you and I will talk <laughs> after the podcast. All right, listen. Hey, I, I like. I've had friends. I've had friendships in my life uh, dissolve, and but I will. And I've I will had tell friendships you in my in life painfully way, dissolve. You, do, you do not need to experience said relationship in a film to uh, have it punch you in the sternum or the solar plexus. But let, let, let me say what I connected with. It is so universal. You don't, Ron. but but at the same time, I, this this departed the realm of of relatability for me and became purely abstract. So, no, it is so universal because these what? characters. It's okay, not. Okay, let me get my point out. I've been trying to get out for two minutes here. All right. Um, these characters ponder how much time we have on Earth and what we can fit into that time, what's worth doing, what's not Come worth on. doing. That is something so you universal. You related to Brendan Gleeson being like, I can't have a beer with you because I have to preserve my legacy on this earth by writing songs yes. for my fiddle. And then I'm gonna make it so I can't even play the fiddle anymore, but still stick to my guns about not having a beer with you. Like, I, I come on, it gets so, it gets so abstract, it gets so goofy, it gets so crazy. I get it as a metaphor, but it, it totally leaves the realm of like, this is a movie about friendship. I don't I don't think it's ultimately a movie about friendship. I think it's ultimately a movie about the Irish Civil War. It is, but maybe I, about Ireland as a place and Irish people and their character, but not about it's not a universal tale of friendship. I, I don't. Uh, think. Oh, I, I would say it absolutely is. I think. It's, <laughs> All right, I, that's very dark. That why is it so bleak? Uh, why is it so bleak? Because um, life, it, life is. Is that how you feel about friendship? No. no okay. But, well, then there you go. But it 
tapped into how I feel about life. There aren't enough hours in the day. There aren't, and your dreams aren't but, going to get fulfilled. But let me throw this one at you. Choices. That's Brendan Gleeson's explanation. The hourglass is slipping away. But that's Brendan Gleeson's explanation, but even he's not sincere. It's projection. The part of what I think the movie is saying in some ways, before it totally loses its tether to reality, part of what I think the movie is, part of what the insight is, is that both of these characters don't really understand who they are and what they've been lying to themselves as much, you know, because that, that because of the thing he Colin Farrell is like, well, you enjoyed spending time with me. And Brendan Gleeson's like, did I really? And it's the idea of Colin Farrell was deluding himself, but they're both deluded. Brendan Gleeson thinks of himself as like, oh, I'm going to be this erudite intellectual. I don't have time. You're boring. You're simple. I don't have time for you anymore. But then what does he end up doing? Sitting at the other end of the bar, having drinks with the local cop who's molesting his son. He's doing the same shit he was doing before. He's sitting there playing his fiddle. He's getting drunk at the local bar. There's nothing to do on this island. That's part of the point. And did then you, at the did end, you, did you miss the, the entire end, accomplishment what, of Brendan Gleeson? And then at where the he, end, where he wrote, where he wrote his piece for the fiddle. But so the fuck what? Who what cares? So the fuck what? He's able to leave this earth knowing that he accomplished something. I don't agree with your read on this movie at all. At the very end, Colin Farrell's sister, when she leaves, she recognizes these two sides are intractable. There's no future here. I have to go. It's a, I think it's immigration. And, and it's like, I have to leave Ireland. It's too short. Barry Keegan's, uh, um, Brent, uh, Colin Farrell's sister and Barry Keegan had. She tells Brendan Gleeson, you're both boring. That's the message. You think you're better. Think about it. It's a civil war metaphor, man. She's yes. saying you I, both. Yeah, we established you're that. You're taking established a side. That. You're saying the movie is about one side in this conflict was right. Brendan Gleeson was right about Colin Farrell being dumb and boring. No, no. it's saying these two sides are both equally deluded. They're both wrong about what they want. And they end up causing increased misery when they should have just stopped arguing in the first place. There was no conflict here. I'm not saying he was right. I'm saying he's asking the right question. Oh, my God. God, I, to say that this movie is about legacy and how you only have so much time on Earth and so you need to cut people You're loose in order to write a fiddle song, that's monstrous. I'm glad it wasn't about that. I think no, you're a monster. It, no, it was about or Do you that. want to stop doing this podcast so you can work on your novel? Is that where, like, no time for friends because I need to work on my fiddle music? This podcast is my novel, Lon. And then, but you're also missing, spoiler alert, folks. No, uh, he cuts off his fucking finger so he can't play the fiddle. That's the whole point. That's yes. the whole point. He yes. sacrifices this He's... friendship for fiddle music and then gives up the fiddle music anyway. Yes, and it's about the yeah, and it's about the senseless death in the war, um, cutting off your nose to spite it's your face. But it's about how it, uh, the whole thing was pointless. Yes, yes, the whole thing is pointless. So the realization that he oh I gotta protect my legacy and I can't be your friend anymore was pointless. But these. But these okay, greater questions, you. I'm talking but about. The, <laughs> but the movie's about how that was wrong. To me, it all, <laughs> it all resonated and it all clicks. That's and, fair. And I think you, saying it resonated is fair. I just disagree about what the meaning. I get to say, yeah, I don't, we don't have to argue. Okay, so you don't think that's uh, that's no, a, we don't have to argue about it. <laughs> a question in life, like, oh, uh, when I when I leave this earth. 
Will my time have been well spent? Will I leave with regrets? I mean, do I personally think that's very important? No, because I think nothing any of us do is going to really matter in like decades, centuries from now. But that's not what Listen, life is yes. about. Lon, life is about all, we are all life dust is about in the wind. what you do and the people around you right now. Well, you're just then you're contradicting yourself. One... What's that? You just you just contradicted yourself. What I'm saying is, Brendan Gleeson so? comes so? out in this movie. He yes. comes out in this movie and he says, "This human friendship that is meaningful to both of us that fills our days." I'm rejecting it. I'm rejecting you. I don't care about your feelings. I don't care about what this does to us as people, to our community, to your daily life and my daily life. I don't care. That doesn't matter. I'm sacrificing it because what's important is my music because that's what's going to last down the years and the centuries. That's what I'm going to be remembered for. That's my legacy on this earth, not getting drunk with you, Colin Farrell. That's Brendan Gleeson's initial point. And what I'm mm -hmm. saying is, to me, I think, one, I don't personally agree with that. But I think that by the end of the movie, even Brendan Gleeson arguably wouldn't maybe agree with that anymore. Because what he ends up doing by the end, his anger, his spite, his irrationality ends up costing him both his friendship with Colin Farrell and his music. His music was not yes. really that. It wasn't really any more important to him than his friendship. In the end... He was perfectly, he was willing to sacrifice the music for the friendship, just like he was willing to sacrifice the friendship for the music. But just because he comes to that conclusion, or and just the because loss it ends of his in that finger, way, does not the loss mean of his the fingers, questions the, weren't worth weren't worth asking. Colin Farrell's sister Lee ends up, eventually leaves the island. That's like you saying, okay, this war was awful and pointless and destructive, but the, the questions that the armies were asking at the beginning, very worthwhile. Like, you're trying to have it both ways. And, and I, I don't think the movie's about Brendan Gleeson was right to work on his music. I think it's about this, this conflict snowballed and ended up revealing to him the the real truth which is that the other people were what was important not and you could take it back to the civil war not the ideology not the religion not the politics not the not the historical wrongs that had been done those were important the irish people keeping them united that one another their community that was what was important you know it's possible lon um uh, maybe you disagree but it's possible the movie contains more elements that are the core of what it's about i think it really is heavily weighted in we have a finite amount of time on earth what is the best way to spend it Ho colin hanging out sister, with your dog among other things simple it's about simple pleasures it's so layered it's beautiful <laughs> it's one of the best films of the year the banshees um, of this year and it about asks more pleasures. questions than lon is giving it credit for all right let's move on okay banshees of innerson and in uh inner alejandro inneritu uh banshees of innerson available on hbo max also on HBO Max, uh, we both watched the new documentary from YouTuber Andrew Callahan. Uh, he has a YouTube channel called Channel 5. Before that, he had a YouTube channel uh, that he parted ways with called All Gas, No Breaks. Uh, mm. This Place Rules. This Place yes. Rules, which is about the, essentially it focuses on the run-up to January 6th and the events, the insurrection, et cetera, that took place at the Capitol. He's a guy that sort of 
usually on the YouTube channel, like, you know, he does those kind of interviews with like man on the street and it's a diversity of people. He, he, he goes to events, he goes to different interesting things and he talks to yeah. people. Yeah, he'll go to like, you know, um, a tattoo expo or complex right. sneaker con or exactly. a rodeo or, right. yeah. And so in this one, it's all kind of political rallies and him going to stop the steal, like, you know, in the aftermath of the 2020 election, and all of the arguments about who won and what was happening. He just focused on that for a few months leading up to January 6th. Although, fascinatingly, I love that they made this whole movie and it works and it's great. I really enjoyed it. Let me so put that I. out right up front. Uh, they made this whole movie. He didn't even get to be. He had COVID. I know. What a so kill. For like the last <laughs> week of the movie when it would have been ran. Normally, it would have been like the climax of the movie when he's interviewing people on the eve of January 6th. He's just in his RV sleeping and we 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 paste it all together it's yeah he spent too much time um getting uh up close and personal with all the unvaxxed yeah i think it's a real testament to how strong the material he got early on was that that doesn't even really impact the quality of the finished film that he basically missed the action there was no way he could have known in, in fairness in real yeah. time he couldn't have known that January 6th was going to happen before it happened and he needed to be in D.C. for it. It's just one of those things that he was sick in. I think he was in Texas still, like sleeping in his RV while all that was going on. Yeah, Anyway, it's covered in the film. Uh, I thought this was great. I think that what he does that's so smart is that he's it's never a gotcha. He he's he's extremely quiet. I'm a bad interviewer, as you can obviously attest, <laughs> because I can't stop shouting over people. We all know. You've all listened to the Binge Boys <laughs> podcast. That's what I do. I just did it. Callahan is so good as an interviewer because he, like, it feels like he doesn't want to ask a question. He leaves the longest pauses possible and just gets people talking. And they feel like this guy gets what I'm putting down yep. just because he's so quiet. And I mean, you see with Alex Jones, especially, he gets that guy talking and he gets amazing footage out of him because he's not yeah. challenging him. He's not constantly trying to fight with him. He's just letting the guy talk. And eventually Alex Jones starts to think of him as an ally and it's just starts talking to him. Yeah, um, I, I absolutely agree with you on this. He allows people to be themselves because he gives them the space where they can keep going. And then eventually, with a lot of these characters, with a lot of the people he talks to, he gives them enough rope to hang themselves or hoist themselves on their own petard, as one yeah. might say. And uh, it's so well done. Also, he's, uh, you know... He wears an oversized kind of, he's not aping Borat at all, but like a Borat style suit. Uh, and he and he looks kind of goofy when he shows yeah. up to these places. And people are thinking, oh, this guy is harmless. Uh, I, I enjoyed the hell out of this. I think there are some moments that are bombshells, some moments that really add up. And then there are some elements where, I do call it into question. I think you can legitimately ask, okay, uh, does it make sense to platform Alex Jones so much to give us so much Alex Jones or to give us so much of the Proud Boys who are in this film? Uh, I am. It's almost even-handed to a fault. Uh, but that's also one of the strengths of the film because he's not coming from an MSNBC or CNN perspective where it's like, wrong, wrong, wrong. And that would pull the rug out from under from what he's trying to accomplish here to just 
show these people in their natural habitat and then gain their trust. And yeah. if he was going too hard at saying, no, you're a you're a traitor or you're destroying democracy, that would probably put a huge roadblock in front right. of what he's doing. Or even asking pointed questions. I mean, he really doesn't even ask pointed questions. He just, he kind of asks just very general, like, so what are, what are you, what are you trying to do? Or like, what's this all about? Or like, what do you think that that says? Or don't you think that, like, it's always very simple and straightforward to kind of get, just get people talking. And I think one thing he does very well is rather than trying to be like, let's, ca- let's, let's counter argue everything that these people are saying. Like, let's prove that their worldview is wrong or bad. He's really kind of out to show how much of this is just about attention or about economics or about making money. And I I think that that's like with the Proud Boys, you could go and say like, these guys are bigots and this is a poisonous philosophy. And it is. Mm -hmm. And there's some of that. But I think what's so powerful that he does is he just showing like, this is really just about selling t-shirts. Like more than anything else, this is a t-shirt company that has attached itself to a political message. But yeah, it's he, really a t-shirt company. And, and, and by laying back, he allows Enrique Tario, the uh, chairman of the Proud Boys, to reveal that not only does he sell, t- uh, it, one of the, he's one of the biggest patriotic t-shirt sellers on the internet that sells to both conservatives right. and liberals. Yeah, he reveals that he's got left-wing uh, t-shirt sites that he doesn't talk about, but that he sells to. So yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's 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 a sales pitch. And, and I think that more than anything else, that's what this movie is so good at, is taking all of the rhetoric and all of the yelling and all of the anger and all of the propaganda and looking at, okay, that's what they're saying that this is about. But we don't have to get into all that at all because it's really just about clicks or it's really just about ads or it's really just about merch. And uh, there's one very powerful segment where he talks to a family that is like all in on QAnon. Like the parents are both Uh convinced that QAnon is true and they've, they've got their kids spending so much time on it that they, even the kids know all the QAnon. It's wild. And it's, I mean, it's essentially like you're watching this family and it's like psychological child abuse, how they're shoving it, yeah. this down their throat. And it and, is it is really troubling. But then he goes back at the end and he kind of shows that they, they, get, they do manage somehow to get out of it. And I think that stuff is so powerful just to show people coming out of it because we, I think we, we there is that idea that well, it, like, it's like a cult. And once you're brainwashed, that's it. You're bra- you're in the cult. There's nothing we can do. We can't get you out of Scientology. If you're, once you're in, you're in. And I think that, 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 def- that's self-defeating in a lot of ways because you, you can't, like it, it, there are stories where people do come out of it. Oh it, yeah. And you know, you touch on a great thing again, that like he allows people to be human. He humanizes people who are cast as the villain for better yeah. and for worse. In some cases, I, I, like I'll go back to like there, um, there's a little bit of gray area there, but overall, yeah, I highly recommend. And I also recommend you check out his YouTube channel, channel five yeah. on YouTube. I mean, it's, yeah, he's been doing great stuff funny. for a while. And like I would describe it like it's comedy. The movie starts like a bat out of hell with oh, this man. crazy with this crazy scenario. It's of, so good too. As a as a yeah. as a bookend, it's so smart. Like yes. he basically uses like bum fights or whatever, like these two 
Where are they from? Like, yeah, like these. Is two, it New oh, Orleans? They're from like um, a depressed part of the South. These two, like you know, white Florida? dudes who are like who, who are like you know, total like G's, like uh, like these. It's the face tat guys. Yeah, and, yeah face like tat they're guys. They're from the like sw- super, they're from the swamp. Like it's somewhere swamp. Billy. Yeah, it's something like Florida or Louisiana. They got beef, and they and they arrange a boxing match, and it's just insane. They're both and, yeah. They're like, both like underground rappers from this community yes. and they they have they have a long standing <laughs> beef and so it's like they're from they're the going to Billy rap scene but it's so great <laughs> because again like just just kind of cutting against your expectations and humanizing these people these are the kinds of people that would normally be the 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 comic relief the laughing stocks of the movie but the point he's making is they settle their beef they have their boxing match and it once it's over it's they over. They're hands, both. Yeah. They're uh, they're very sportsmen. Like they're both gentlemen. They're like, look, I he beat me. I lost fair and square, and it's over. And then that's contrast with you know January sixth. Yeah, with the with, political system. Yeah, with, with, and uh, Trump. Donald not, Trump uh, refusing to, to concede. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and just like the vibe of the movie. It's like what I wish Vice magazine still was. You know, or Vice. Yeah. Uh, like like it has. You know th- this term means nothing at this point after, uh, uh, you know, uh, bands selling out or whatever and uh, in the age of Blink-182 and pop punk, but like, it, it's punk rock to a degree, but which is kind of a meaningless term anyway at this point. Uh, this Place Rules, HBO Max, absolutely worth checking out. I'm glad it brought us back together after a divisive first review. We've we've come together on review number. Two. Yeah, we we went a little. Uh, we went a couple of rounds, uh, just like Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. Yeah, really. I was about to cut off a finger. You were. You you, you had the hatchet. Ready. I had the shears. Ready. The shears. Yes. Um, oh, sh- uh, by the way, I got a shout out. There's uh, Jenny the donkey uh, in Banshees of Inisherin. Um, uh, just my favorite animal of the year. Oh, I my second favorite. I still think uh, the dog from Prey. I would say number one. Oh, the dog from Prey is badass. Dog from Prey, number one. I, Jenny go, the donkey. I gotta go, Jenny the donkey. I gotta Banshees go, Jenny the donkey. Jenny, Jenny the donkey uh, usurped the dog from Prey. Finally, uh, Lon recommended to me an Indonesian action film, which yeah. uh, was a real good time. The a Big blast. Four on Netflix. And you know what? As I was watching this, it resonated that, uh, I use that word too much in this podcast now. Um, It hit me (laughs) that so much great action comes from specifically Indonesia. The home of the Raid films and uh, and now uh, the Big Four, which is a fun, stylized ride. I mean, it's it's got some comedy, it's got uh, a, it's got action, and it's got some fucking gore. The yeah. blood, the blood, and <laughs> just the carnage in this film. It's, it's crazy. You know, you, you wouldn't think it's funny, but it gets to so over the, such an over-the-top level, it uh, absolutely arrives at this place where it's like, holy shit, um, I've, uh, like, I've not seen a dead body do that before. That was pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's a guy named uh, Timo Tujanto is the Indonesian yeah. director. He did The Night Comes for Us, that, that Netflix yes. film with a bunch of the raid guys in it. Uh-huh. Uh, he also did a, a very well-regarded 2016 action film called Headshot. So this one, this one is, it, it's got a lot of the action and brutal carnage from those yeah. other movies. They're just extraordinarily violent. But <laughs> this one adds like an action comedy layer. Like it really yeah. feels indebted to 80s over-the-top action comedies like Stallone, Schwarzenegger, yeah, like Commando, that, yeah, yeah, like that era in big, goofy, funny, over the top 
silly action movies. And it just, it's relentless. I mean, that's the thing about this movie uh, is that from minute one, it's propulsive. Every scene, there's a gimmick and a bit and a joke and this. There's constantly jokes coming at you or things flying at you or action. It doesn't really ever, like it slows down momentarily to advance the story. Mm-hmm. But really, this is like two hours just shot out of a cannon. Yeah, and it's as well choreographed as um, any of your John Wicks, as the Raid movies. Yeah, like, looks, the action scene, is amazing. There's this one scene where dude gets like thrown off a balcony and the camera goes right with him, following him to the ground. And I'm like, whoa, that stuntman must be in pain. Yeah, <laughs> and, there's, like, and there's, I mean, he's so does- good. All kinds of clever, creative stuff, like they're handing off the cameras to guys on motorcycles and through windows and upstairs. And I mean, everything looks interesting. It really feels like every every shot, he approaches it like, how can I make this more exciting, funnier? How can I bring more energy? How can I make this image look more interesting? And I just feel like movies don't feel that way anymore. Like. Like movies feel like they've got five big scenes and they're getting uh-huh. you to those scenes. And then when they're not, when they're in between those scenes, it's just kind of actors hanging around, you know, like that. What I what I describe when I'm talking about red notices, you know, it's like yeah. the rock and Ryan Reynolds in front of a green screen. It's like, did you get the map? Where's the map? Who's got the map? Do I have the map? And it's like a static camera. Or I was talking about uh, Slumberland, that Netflix movie where there's yeah. little scenes where it's just a With little Jason girl Momoa. and Jason Momoa talking to standing in the middle of a street, like talking to each other. And there's. There is nothing like that in the big four. There is not one moment like that in the big four. You're constantly moving. You're constantly on to the next thing. And that's so refreshing. And I'll tell you what, Lon, I I was a little dubious of like, okay, is um, like they're building up to a climax. Is it going to be able to top it? Like I was like, okay, like they're setting up a lot. Is it going to be satisfying and worthwhile? And then it serves you like three boss battles in a row that top each other. And I'm like, fuck, man, it did earn it. It did get there and satisfy and deliver on its promise of a climactic final battle scene. uh, Yeah, really, really freaking enjoyable uh, from start to finish. Uh, uh, The the one thing where I was like, okay, if you think too hard, it might collapse. It it does the thing where it's like, oh, these characters are completely unkillable and everyone else is just a drone (laughs) who can't shoot straight. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely martial arts movie rules where where our ca- our heroes are extremely martial uh, invulnerable. Arts or Star Wars, like it's like a hundred stormtroopers against four heroes. It's that's that's just <laughs> that's just part of the genre, you know. Like that yeah. just comes with the territory. But yeah, totally. Sure. But you know what? It's a good time, and it's like it scratches a lot of itches because you know we're we're hitting all the the stunts, the choreography, the gun foo, essentially to borrow a John Wick. Uh, I guess coined term, uh, but also the the moments of comedy. There, the characters are so uh, specifically drawn here, and like the, even just like like a bad guy henchman who shows up in two scenes. Like that, there's this guy with one white eye and yeah. a, a mohawk. He's super rad. And That's what I mean. It's like 
every beat of this movie, you feel like there was creativity here. There were it yes. wasn't ever just like let's have a guy show up and he's the he's the heavy, he's the the henchman, he's the bad guy. It was like, well, what's his thing? What's his bit? What what's his special? What's his favorite weapon? What's what music does he like? What's his style? What is he wearing? And like like every character, every beat in the movie has that level of care and attention and thought, and it, it does. It makes you feel like oh, a lot of American movies are a little lazy. Like they don't put this level of thought into everything that you see, everything that happens on screen. They're just about, let's get to the next sort of showcase moment. It's a good time. You can check out The Big Four on Netflix. Lon, uh, those are the things that we watched. That's our show. I'm I'm done screaming at you for this week, so that's good. (laughs) For now, the balcony is closed. For now, Uh, the screaming match is over. uh, Hoot Hoot Owl Nation. Starburns Audio, thank you for having us. Travis Reeves, thank you for producing us. Jason Kay, thank you for the opening theme. Lon Harris, uh, care to tell them anything? Uh, you know, it's at this point, it's it's 80-some shows. You know where to find me. Uh, that's good enough. Uh, I'm still going to plug my shit. Uh, Do it. <laughs> at Hal Rudnick on the dystopian hellhole that is Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, you can uh, check out my Twitch, twitch.tv slash Hal Rudnick, where uh, I am often streaming. Often? Well, wow. Nice times, nice times. We'll, yeah, we'll talk, it was fun, we'll, fun chatting at you. Uh, <laughs> as you, And fun being chatted at. Uh, we'll go. talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye now. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys.